Welcome to Essential Conversations. I'm your host, Rebecca Mears, with my co-host, Luca Halex. We join you this week after a snowfall that we've had, and we've got half of the world, or not half of the world, that's, that's a little overestimation of how much, but there's a lot of people in the world right now that are experiencing snow and ice that have not been experiencing snow and ice before. In Vancouver, we had our, you know, once annual snowfall that that came down for a couple of days last week but it's already gone spring's back <laughs> blue skies were out today and it's glorious uh, but we're sending some uh good juju towards everybody that um by the time this airs is still perhaps under under the weather quite literally uh, i think it'll be around for a while <laughs> but we're we're talking today about what we're growing into and and what does that look like in terms of us individually, in terms of us societally, uh, in terms of um, maybe within an organization or, or what have you? Or we're just going to wander around and see what we what we can find here. Um, but Luca, you you had started to tell me about a situation, uh, something that you experienced today. Um. Yeah, well, what I've been experimenting with lately is I, um, there's a colleague of mine who does um, hypnotherapy. And we started out with her needing somebody to practice on. And so I was a guinea pig. Um, and what I wanted out of that was um, some guided access uh, that would provide a container for me to be able to get into my own inner knowing. Um, and not have to hold the space for it while I was doing it. Mm-hmm. So, so she was using her hypnotherapy skills to do that. And, and after she'd finished her practice period, we decided that it was quite useful and that we would continue doing it. So, so I have this as a, as a means for getting in touch with my inner knowing. So uh, when I did my hypnotherapy session today, which is not therapy, it's just guided access. Mm-hmm. Um, my guides were talking to me about how we create our reality. The metaphor was good. I was standing on the beach. It looked like Spanish banks, but like one of those big, long, flat beaches when the tide is out. Mm -hmm. And I had a stick in my hand and I drew this circle in the sand around me. Mm -hmm. And that was my boundary, my circumference. And then, and so then they proceeded to show me things about how I create what goes on within that, that I decide where that boundary is going to be. And then I decide what I'm going to put in it. Um, And they even showed me a home that was, that was like, it was diaphanous and it, and it was sort of superimposed on this circle. And there was nothing in the circle and there was nobody around. Well, the other thing they showed me before they showed me that the house, they showed me windows, sash windows. So ones that go up and down this way, like wooden ones, 
all around the outside of the circle, suspended in the air mm-hmm. above the line in the sand. No walls. Mm-hmm. And they went all the way. And the circle was a big circle. Like it's not, not the telephone booth size one that I normally operate in. And, uh, and they saw, and, and some of the windows were open and some of them were closed. And they said that I decide whether there's windows there and I decide whether they're open or closed. And then they just kind of disappeared. And then this house appeared and the house was there, but not there. And it was, and they, they, so they were talking to me about how we, how we, um, we create everything in our worlds. And, and then, and then the tide comes in and washes it away. And then we, and then we make it again. It's, it doesn't stay the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, what stays the same is that the tide comes in and out. But, but you don't expect that what you build on the beach is going to stay there after the tide's been in and gone out and come back in again, right? It's a, so anyway, it was the, I mean, it was an hour and a half session. Um, but, the, but what it came back down to it the, by the very end is that every molecule of everything that's on this planet and in the universe is love and that the that the particles themselves are nothing without the intelligence of love that's of which they're made so what we've done is we've isolated particles we've figured out that there's particles but because we can't prove what love is we can't measure it. We can't, we don't know where it comes from. We don't really know the nature of it. The scientists have sort of separated it out, even though they experience it in their everyday lives. Mm. It's like they have to leave it on the trash heap because they can't prove it. But, but the particles without love are, are like a universe without intelligence. And I like it's hard to explain. They did it all with with metaphors so that I would get it. Mm-hmm. But but that's the that's the end result of it. And that you can't make love go away. You can pretend it's not there, mm-hmm. but it, it never goes away. It's mm-hmm. it's part of everything. And we organize the particles into what it is we're trying to manifest according to our desire for what it is we want to manifest. And the desire plugs into the love. It's it, because you it, it doesn't, unless it comes out of fear, but that's, that's a different thing, right? Mm-hmm. You, you go into fear when you, when you've alienated yourself from that feeling of love, because the love goes through everything. So it's, it, it, fear interrupts it. It's not that the love goes away. It's that it's blocked. It's like we, we can't mm-hmm. see that it's there. So we act like it isn't, but it is. It's mm-hmm. always there. Mm-hmm. So really, this is about allowing. It's sounding, it's like fil- fear is like a filter. Yeah. It removes the ability to perceive something yeah. that's there. That's already there. So they're trying to, and they're, they're saying that this, this shift that's going on right now is the lifting of the filters so that we can see mm. that it's all about love. Everything. Mm-hmm. 
But anyway, it's I, I mean, I'm still playing with it because it's just, you know, it, it, some of it I knew, but some of it I didn't. And some of it, they took me, I would, I was already in an altered state. And then I would go into an even further altered state. And I'd, and I'd come back again and I wouldn't be able to explain to Jen what it was that I had just seen because right. it would, it, it had gone like this right before I'd even grasped it. So that tells me that they were doing stuff to me on an energetic level that I didn't need to be able to grasp with my brain. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was a very interesting session. That sounds very interesting. The, what you're describing about the circle and the sash windows uh, just sounds like an alternative visualization process or engagement process around the, the setting of the protections, the boundaries that, yeah. that, that you are then in charge of what you're able to access and how and when. Well, I took like the this, programming of the bubble. <laughs> yeah, I had a stick in my hand with which I drew the circle. And then I, at, at a certain point, I rubbed the circle out. I stomped on all the line. And then I, I went further out and I drew mm-hmm. a way bigger one. And they were showing me how arbitrary it is. Right. That I can scratch it out and, and move it further out anytime right. I want to. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, it's only solid if we believe it's solid. Right. Like when they show me stuff like that, that is on the edge of my knowing and becoming, I grasp it on one level. But there's another love. My mother used to buy me shoes that were just a little bit too big at the beginning of the school year. She said to grow, to grow into. Mm-hmm. So in other words, they would still fit me by May. <laughs> right. <laughs> when yeah. I moved into sandals. Um, and I feel like they get, my guides do that. They give me information in these sessions that I get and I'm growing into. Mm-hmm. I may be. Uh, connecting with my own super conscious it might be i i choose to believe that this is my higher self speaking to me um and that and some form of guidance uh, that's how i choose that's how it feels comfortable to me but I, i'm not sure it could be my subconscious it, i mean it really for all of you listening out there it's whatever it is that feels most comfortable and allows you the greatest amount of learning but what what I I think what I'm finding in having done this and I've been doing it for about a year now is is that I give myself some information that makes sense to me that I recognize even if I wouldn't necessarily have put it into words like that before the session but I also um, I also have room to grow and learn in it and, and I, as I was saying to you, my mother used to call this buying shoes with room to grow or buying clothes with room to grow. Because when you've got little kids, you want, you want the clothes to last the, the, at least the school year, right? And so you buy them just a little bit too big in the fall so that by the time spring comes or summer comes, they, they still fit them, even if they're beginning to get a little short in the leg. So, so that's what I, I thought. I think that's how I teach myself. I give myself something that my brain can grasp and hang on to and then I give myself room to grow room it the it's the edges of what I know to be true in my life and in my world and then I and then I'm I'm pushing I'm pushing those edges so I'm at the edge of my comfort zone so that's a a lot of what this was about 
today. And I'm, so I'm curious for you, Rebecca, how, how do you think you teach yourself? Oh, actually, that's a perfectly phrased question. Thank you, Luca. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I teach myself. And when I say the I, I'm imagining those different levels of I, right? So the big I, yeah, yeah, like the meta level I, the biggest mm -hmm. part of myself that doesn't fit inside my body, the one that um, that perhaps I could also rephrase as being connected to the Holy Spirit, if I was using Christian language, or to the universe mm -hmm. with another one, whatever, you know, the the part that has access to information and wisdom and insights that are beyond me that really knows what's best for me or, and also what's going on, not necessarily what's going on, but that there's other stuff going on that is all bound up in my future moves, my current moves, whatever. The part that's connected to the, the great web of which I am a part. Mm -hmm. And that part of me, I think allows or encourages me to get myself into binds where if it's time for me to choose something different, probably it's a deeper knowing of myself that I'm not going to necessarily choose the option or, or declare a boundary or, or whatever the, the thing is that I need to take responsibility and put some energy or power towards. I won't do it if I don't have... If I have any other thing that I could do instead, I would probably do that other thing instead. So I get stuck into situations or a bind where I run out of all other options. It's not very fun. <laughs> very uncomfortable, right? I like learning this way, but I'm getting better at recognizing that that's what's going on so that I don't perhaps need it to get as gnarly as it's had to get in the past before I realize, oh, this means there's something entirely different that I either need to see or to do or to be ready to create or to receive, um, whatever. So yeah, I get myself stuck so that there's the only, so that the things that I know won't work anymore. And the resources that I perceive aren't cutting it. So I have to find a different way. And then I do. <laughs> Funny about that. And then I do. And then I learn things. And, and another way that I grow is so, I mean, that tends to be just the general modus operandi. Biting off more than I can chew is also one of them, right? Where, where there's a really <laughs> obvious yes. I, I know in my bones, I need to say yes to something. So I say that yes, without really any hesitation. But then, then I'm, I'm in, I'm in deep. And I was, I was actually just thinking about this today. I was looking back over this last year, year and a half. I don't know, man, it's been a, it's been a while now that I'm just starting to have a bit of an awakening that, um, that I may have had too much on my plate for quite a long time to the point where uh, I was dis I was really getting disjointed. Things that should normally get encoded in my brain, conversations, people that I've met, 
<laughs> things that I've just experienced that they they were not they were not sticking around. They were not landing. And I'm looking back over the last couple of years and like, oh, I'm I met a person and I have no recollection of them. Or I, I went through a thing and I don't recall any of this. Or oh my God, that happened then? Because I, I just saw some paper proof of this, but why do I have no memory of this? So these are signs to me that something's been seriously off kilter because it's not like I'm actually having fugue states and doing things with <laughs> without awareness I like that, that I wake up afterwards. Yeah, it's like I had a fugue year, but it's it's really not. I, I don't want to use that term um, flippantly because it's a very real and difficult experience for people who do have that. My point is I'm coming out the other side. And so now I'm looking back over the last year and a half and I'm thinking, okay, uh, how did that happen? How did I get myself into that? What exactly was it? What door did I open or what path did I go down that led me to be there? And I, I, think, I think it's just that I bit off more than I could chew. But it was all important. So it's not really a case of, oh, I shouldn't have said yes to this. Because again, I was not going against any intuition. I was not going against any red flags, at least no red flags to me. There may be other people who love me who are around me who may be like, oh, I could see that coming, Rebecca, but it wasn't that case for me. I'm still looking back. I'm not saying, oh, I shouldn't have done that. It's more a case of I needed to go through that so that there were things that I would learn that will be very important for the future. And that is, a, that is another pattern of being in something over my head sometimes the first times it happened, I didn't choose it. It just happened the, through, I made a simpler choice and then I got dunked, you could say, by other people around me. Um, but these, these ones over the last few while, those are my choices. But the end result is the same. It's you sink or swim and you sw your swimming may look more like a doggy paddle that just barely gets your mouth above the water, but you somehow make it. So you get to the other side and then you look back and you're like, well, next time I'm going to wear some floaties or we're not going to do it quite the same way next time. Uh, maybe not quite so deep of a pool. Um, but those experiences force me into growth. Maybe not enough growth that I would be able to navigate in that immediate situation with grace and with aplomb. But because I've been exposed to it, what would you call like I'm now thinking I'm, I'm thinking about trees and about is there maybe it's like a pruning no it's not a pruning what would that be compared to it's like you you, you get something extreme done to you that seems I'm like thinking a, of a bonsai tree yeah that's a good that, one that gets trained into being very tiny and, and looking a certain way Supreme I don't know if that, that has a good outcome other than perceived beauty but right yeah um well, they can live forever. And so the idea that a bonsai tree is less, uh, living less potential perhaps than the big ones is just, that's what well, we could call that sizeism if we want to. Well, I'm really curious about this idea of too much and over my head. Like what is too much? Because it doesn't look like too much when you take it on. No, but I can tell that it's too much when, uh, when things fall off the edges. Like, like what I've just described. Some of it I can only see in hindsight, but there's a lot that happens in the moment too. And I will frequently use that language with my family where it's like, I am so sorry. My brain is so overloaded that that fell off the edge. It just, it just, it, it just yeah. got lost. Yeah. 
And, and is that is that useful for us? And I'm not talking about you necessarily, sure. mm-hmm. but but any of us, right? Is that it? Because it, it, because it it this creates um, stress. Yeah, and some stress is good, right? I mean, I I I was in another one of my sessions. Um, I think it was the year ahead channeling. They were talking about. Uh, either this year or last year, they were talking about friction and that friction is important because it creates the need for creativity in order to resolve to another state. So, so we don't want to get rid of friction altogether or conflict altogether, but we don't want to live in it. We don't want to live in it to the point that it starts to break down our physical health or our emotional or mental health or, or whatever. So, so I'm wondering, do we, do we do this until we recognize a quote unquote fugue state and then, (laughs) and then review it and say, Ooh, and like, is there, is there a, is there a flag that waves in there that that's a yellow flag that says, caution, you're, you're getting to the edge of your capacity here. Um, And could, could we recognize it earlier and would it be useful to recognize it earlier. If I recognize it earlier, do I take better care of myself and still learn what I would like to learn? Like, it, does it cut off the learning potential if I, if I step back? Um, and how much of that has to do, I'm curious, I'm asking myself this too. Yeah, yeah. And the answer um, will probably vary for people, uh, but I can say yes to all of those things for me. Yes, it makes a difference if I can notice earlier. Yes, it makes a difference if I listen to the yellow flag and I frame my responses and my choices relative to that because then I'm starting to honor the fact that I am in a physical body that has finite resources um, rather than pretending to be omnipotent because I will have, if I do not listen to it, which I've tried it this way in the past, um, I get farther down the road. Hard way. Oh, I think I pa- I got stuck there, didn't I? I th- am I back? Okay. All right. Um, if I do not pay attention to it, what happens is I go farther down the road. I get very compromised health-wise and possibly mental health-wise as well that will take longer for me to recover from. I will disappoint more people or possibly create, allow situations to get to a point because they're too big for me to hold that I cannot effectively hold them from harming other people, which is not okay for me. Um, and I think the learning that I'm having is by recognizing that that caution flag is, is waving, that this is, this is an overload, I may not be able to resolve it right now. There may be commitments, there may be timeframes, there may be things that have to be seen through, that's usually how it does play out for me. However, I will be more ready to grab the window when it presents itself, which is the, okay, let's close this and move on, or to call it when it's time to call it. And one of the things that's giving me more courage to answer that, and especially in the context of what we're talking about today, is if I'm in over my head, which again, that phrasing makes it seem like there was a mistake. 
but I don't think it's a mistake. It's like dipping a plant in fertilizer or something. And it's like, you can't leave it in the fertilizer. Maybe it'll burn the roots, but you get it in the fertilizer and then you got to pull it out. And the growth happens after. So if I'm in over my head, I'm not going to gain the growth or the skills that, that would make this work while I'm still in this situation. I have to leave or it has to end and I have to have recovery and I have to have time and perspective. And then I will grow into a bigger pair of shoes or I'll grow some new branches that the next time I could possibly take that on. That doesn't mean that I'm going to choose to. I may learn that that's just really not my territory or you know, that I, that's not a thing I ever want to go into again. But there have been more than one time in my past where I've had, I've called it trial by fire. I ended up in something over my head. It was horrendous. I navigated it, came out, I was walking wounded. But then years later, I chose it again, but it was different because I had awareness and I had grown this new set of skills because of my previous experience. And I was able to navigate and hold it so much better. So I guess I did grow, just not within the situation in which you're feeling. So I'm, I'm curious about whether we can, when we, when we encounter a situation like this again, and we start thinking, mm, this is stressful, can we interrupt? Can we, are there signals for us that are the yellow flags where we can, so we don't have to come all the way out at the other end yes. and look back on it, but we can interrupt in the moment and say, oh, there's one of those signals. Um, so what do I have to do to take care of myself better here? Um, do, do, I, do I have to pull back? Do I need to pull in more help? Do I, like, what, what is it? What are, my, what are my options here that maybe I'd forgotten were even options? Yeah. Um, because I think, and that I think is part of that iterative part of learning. Because you, you talked about the next time I come yeah. around, right? Because for sure, if we don't get it the first time, we're going to come around. We're going to create it for ourselves. We'll create a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth. And by the time we get into middle age, we're beginning to look at it and think, hmm, this looks like a pattern. No, <laughs> this right? looks like I've done this before. Did I like it the last time? Do I want <laughs> to keep recreating this? Right? Yes. Yes. Because... What's the good, I have said this for years, what's the good of getting older? We don't get smarter about how we yes. do all of this. Yes. Um, so it's, so that I think, I mean, w w you're talking about the, the biting off more than you can chew and, and then coming back around to it again and perhaps choosing to do it differently. I, I know that for me, I, and I'm doing it with these um with these hypnotherapy sessions that I'm doing that aren't actually hypnotherapy, they're, they're guided access. I, I think that's the new word I'm going to use for it is guided access. But I, I learn something and then I teach it. And by teaching it to somebody else or just sharing it, and I'm putting it in quotation marks here, right? Sharing it with somebody else. I learn some more about it yeah. in the sharing, which I then take on board and try out and in doing that, I have some more to share. And so it's a, it's a, it's a process for me. It's almost like teaching something allows me to witness myself 
absolutely. And, and clarify it and integrate it and then experiment with it some more and then relate that again. Teaching requires a different part of the brain because you're trying to phrase and explain yeah. an experience yeah. that's going to be looked at from a different set of eyes and you have you have to turn it around in your own head differently in order to engage with it that way. So yeah, absolutely it does that. And, and in a way that requires community, right? Yeah. That, that I'm so I'm thinking because you're part of your community is your family. And when you say to them, oh that just that fell off the edge, right? Then they have the opportunity to come back and say to you, okay, mom or partner, are you like have you have you got too much on your plate here? Like, is there some way you can put some of that down? I'm being the mirror for your, for your yellow warning flag. Yes, exactly. Well, I was actually going to say that a lot of the yellow flags, I think for, for me come from those close to me who know me well. Yeah. Um, and, and my responsibility is to not dismiss their feedback, but that doesn't mean yeah. that I'm successful at that all the time. <laughs> yeah well and it doesn't always come in a form that feels nourishing yeah fair enough so sometimes there's some permission giving around that right yeah. like if you invite people to give you feedback when you start behaving in a certain way or when you start forgetting things or when you start getting fugy <laughs> we can yeah. use that word yeah. right <laughs> that's and then and then you can say to them maybe say to them if you're going to give me feedback, if you could give it to me in this way, or if you could ask me first or whatever it is that allows it to land somewhere in a way that doesn't feel like you're being criticized or you're under attack. Yeah, it's true. And also, I think it's helpful to recognize that sometimes maybe we may receive feedback from people around us, but they don't know what they're witnessing because they're not no, inside our body yeah. or our brain. They just know that we're not the version of ourselves that they know to be best, most, most efficient, most effective, most loving, most genuine, most integrated that they get to interact with, but they don't know what's going on behind the scenes. So how they communicate what it is that they're seeing. I think it's pretty often that I'll have some uh, family member or a close friend will say, um, I'm kind of noticing this. And I'll just be ready with my explanation for why that is. But I have to take, but I will take that away. And because it works even when I'm not thinking about it, because I've now received that from somebody I care about their perception and it'll sit there and I'll be like, oh, but wait a minute, you know, you're so ready with your, your reason, your rationale there, Rebecca, which really can become like an excuse. Um, is there actually or a defense mechanism, right? It's yeah, like, yeah. Uh, oh, I feel attacked. So, yeah. You, you know, know, is there something that I need to take? Take that's sort of the at. witness who doesn't know they're a witness yeah and yeah. sometimes their feedback can be in the form of a big complaint or a big pushback or mm -hmm. a or an accusation it can come in the form of an accusation and that is difficult to take on board in the moment like i have to that kind of thing i have to put in my in my sack and t and i take it off to my corner yeah. and i lick my wounds and have yeah, a look at it true. when i feel a little better or i've got a supportive friend around you know, I've noticed another way that it shows up. Um, 
people wave, trying to show me the yellow flags or really, I guess by the time it gets to this point, it's a red flag <laughs> is when yeah. my family or friends will hold a boundary. They'll, they will declare that they are holding a boundary for themselves that they see that I am refusing to hold for myself. So as an example, um, you know, without getting super specific, but general example yes. would be, let's say I've been having regular business dealings with a client and I keep coming with frustration or upsetness about some kind of dynamic that keeps happening in this relationship with this client. And after a while, I hear from, say, my partner, I don't want to hear about this anymore from you it's bringing me down every time you talk about this it never seems to get better I don't know why you put up with this but I can't handle listening to it anymore and that is always a massive whoa wait what where am I at how have I gotten here where vicarious experiencing of this too much for the people around me uh what am I what am I allowing in that maybe I should not be yeah. And, and I think that that, from my experience, that comes up in, in my, uh, in my professional life with the, with the clients with whom I'm working, that I might notice that they're doing that, that, that they are, we, we call it in, in counseling terms, we'd call it cycling, right? Mm-hmm. It's the, the same issue is coming up over and over and over and over again without any resolution happening. Right. Then, then it's an opportunity to step in, whether it's in counseling or in life, an opportunity to step in and say, I notice that this keeps coming up uh, and, and we're not, we're, we don't seem to be moving on it. So like what, what needs to change? What is asking to be noticed and changed? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a part of that, that learning loop and, I, and what, part of what I was learning about today when I was going through this um, guided access experience was they were giving, uh, they, it, I, whatever, the bigger part of me was giving me information about a, a filter to use to um, broaden my perception of my own reality so that I could see things that I perhaps wasn't able to see otherwise or make sense of something that I was seeing where I didn't know what it meant. So that I think is uh, perspective shifting. It's like putting, it's like re- we call it in counseling terms, we call it reframing, right? Mm-hmm. It's, but it, uh, at the simplest level, it's putting a different frame on the same picture so you can see something else. So I think that that's, there's a lot of that, that goes on when we're, when we're learning in our own lives. It's uh, how, how do we, how do we um, build that in, in a way? Mm-hmm. How do we, um, and I, and I do it because, because Mercury goes retrograde. We talk about that's very new agey, right? New Mercury goes retrograde is the planet Mercury in it at, at about three times a year there's a sort of an interrupt in terms of the influence that it has on the planet. And there's lots of people who say, Oh yeah, right. That's more of that hocus pocus, but it feels to me like it influences me, but it, it gives me three times a year where I very consciously review my life. I just take it as that, as an opportunity to do that. Right. Mm 
So, so if I give myself, I mean, some people would do it by taking a day off once a week, right? And in that day, there's an interrupt in our, in our regular patterns. So we can, so we can look at things a little bit differently mm-hmm. and, and maybe see something we didn't see before or, or give a very hard working part of ourselves a break. Mm-hmm. It's like maybe we don't have to think that day or we don't have to stay in the same routine that day or what it, I, cause I think that interrupts interrupts are, are really, useful. Yeah. So that makes me think of uh, myself and my, my children's father, we had very different ways of navigating um, the too much. <laughs> so when we would be in situations, uh, I'm thinking about when we lived overseas, we were running a school. It's very easy to, to get into situations that are, that are a bit too much. It's new territory for everybody, new country, literally. So, you know, <laughs> there's a lot to, to be navigating. Um, my children's father would, in the moment, um, have very valid reactions and seek to hold boundaries and try to pull back and and change situations that were too much for him or us together. Um, Whereas I would tend to navigate. I just, I just soldier on. I'm there. I'm in. All systems are firing. I'm just dealing. Dealing would probably be the best way to, to describe it. Everybody's navigating, but I was dealing, right? I'm just in it. And then we would take a break. And whenever we would step away, um, we'd flip. It would become, as soon as he was out, he was fine. He was happy. He was enjoying himself in the downtime and, and life was good again. Even if it was just a two week break, whatever, he would just, you know, everything was rosy. And I would fall to pieces because then it was like, then the consequences hit me and I would start to yeah. see what it was I had been carrying, what I had been dealing with. And the toll that it was taking it on, taking on me, because you stop, and that's when you start to feel the pains. You know, it's sort of like the adrenaline rush goes away. And I would have a great difficulty reengaging because because I was imminent. Now I was in the pain, and knowing that I was about to go back into the thing that created the pain that had mostly just been numbed while I was dealing, whereas he was more ready to go into it because he'd actually had a rest. So I'm presenting these as, as just different. No, no one is more right than the other. They're just different. Um, yeah. <laughs> I call what you're describing soldiering on. Yeah. Um, and I, I was in a situation when I was in the corporate world where, where we had a full-on push in an emergency situation for 10 days. And we were working 11-hour days um, seven days a week, there was no opportunity for a break. We got to the end of the 10 days and the pressure was off. And somebody said something nice to me about appreciating what I had done for those 10 days. And I burst into tears. And I had been fine, <laughs> supposedly, emotionally, for the 10 days. I just, and, and we'd had a buildup, like a five-day buildup before that. So basically, I'd gone two weeks plus with no break, and and I and I realized that I was in the soldiering on, full on emergency kind of 
mode. And I think we can get into that in life too, not just a particular project yeah. situation. Yeah. And it, and I think also that there's a, there's an element there of everybody's depending on me. So if you're really responsible, like if you, you if that is one of your values that, that I have to be responsible, that you just, you keep going for not just for yourself, but for everybody else around you for the common good. And, and it makes it very difficult to set boundaries mm -hmm. and to say, yeah, well, the world is not going to, to come to a grinding halt if I take a certain number of hours off or if I, if I um, take a break. Mm -hmm. um, so, so if we come back to this idea of, how much is too much, right? Mm -hmm. And there's, yeah. there's a difference between finding what is, you could call it like a, a, a minimum of self-care that you can do that you, so that you can make it through while you wait for that opening or that opportunity to mm -hmm. actually make a shift. And that's real. I've had to do that many times where yeah. my body yeah. was starting to give out on me. So what do you do? Well, I'm going to sign up for massages. I've never had a massage in my life, but I feel like I'm about as stiff as a twig that's about to break. So let's see if this will help me, you know, because there's nothing else that I can really change in that moment. And this is where I see a lot of people. Like I think about my, I have a relative um, who said yes to a job that she really did not want to do for a career. Um, but she and her husband decided that it was going to be um, important that she did do it. So they made a deal with each other that if she was going to take this job that she really didn't want to do, but that was going to make a whole ton of money, then they were going to get that fancy house in this fancy place because that was going to help her have the wherewithal to keep showing up for something that was not pleasant for her to do. And from the outside, there might be a lot of judgment that could come down on a person for that. But is that fair? Uh, we're all often trying to set things up so that we can make it through something that's hard uh, until we can choose a thing that's in better alignment for ourselves. But what, what I'm taking also out of what you're saying is that um, we need to know where our limits are. Mm. And so we might say, well, I can take on that job, but only for this amount of time before I reevaluate. Yes. And then I gave, give myself permission to remake this decision. Yes. Um, and it might be that I say, well, I, I can put in extra time with no breaks, but for no longer than this many days. And then I have to reassess. Um, and maybe I have to take other people around me into consideration when I make that reassessment, because maybe it's not just how it's impacting me, mm. but how I'm impacting them. Yeah. By, by being in that state of some sort of deprivation, whether it's sleep deprivation or, or, you know, rest deprivation or stress overload or whatever it is, Absolutely. because we all impact one another. And yeah. this is very, very much so with the pandemic, because whatever we're all individually dealing with in terms of stress, there's a knock on effect. Yeah. And we affect all the people in our immediate vicinity and also in our in our communities and therefore in our countries and therefore in the world. Mm -hmm. So I'm we're thinking, and it's, it's uh, you could look at it a couple of different ways. So you can look at it in terms of how your own 
burdens may may be uh, bleeding <laughs> on to other people. I've definitely been in that this last year where I realized I've needed to tap into my children, my partner for help for things that I just can't navigate on my own. And so then it's hard for them sometimes too. It's like, well, mom said yes to this. I didn't say yes to this. But yeah. because I love mom, I want to help her out. Now I'm doing this yeah. or, you know, that I'm that I'm too exhausted and therefore uh, get bitey with my words and whatever that that's that's sort of where it's bleeding over. Yeah, I call that leaking. <laughs> yeah, leaking all over yeah. other people. Yeah. But then there's also the perspective of what might you be as a resource for other people that when you are too overloaded, that absence is also creating a knock-on effect. Because that makes me think of this last year. I barely spoke to my mother for a year, not because I didn't want to talk to my mother, but because I had nothing left for energy or attention or ability to have a conversation with anybody outside of the immediate sphere around me. And that created a vacuum that created a loss for her. And And for you and potentially for you as well, because if you, if you had had the wherewithal to reach out to her, we don't know what might've come back in the way of support there might not have been any or, or any more than usual, but there, but there may have been, but yeah, we yeah. don't know. Cause that's a lost opportunity. Right. Yeah. 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 And it's, I mean, it's a real thing that you can be so past the yellow flag into the red flags that you cannot avail yourself of the things that would help to make it easier because you're, yeah. you're, you're um, so bound up in what's going on that you can't think straight. I, I think that there's a, there's a place here and, and we're probably coming to our wrap up around this, but I think there's a place here for um, consciousness and being able to say to the people who make up our community, whether it's our um, professional community or our home life community, where we say to them, if you notice these things, I give you permission to interrupt and maybe in these ways, right? And to say, uh, e- even if it's an ouch, e- even if uh, the only thing you can do to express it is ouch, or I miss you, or um, we don't have time together anymore, or whatever it is, w- not with the expectation that that will immediately change everything. But as, as I come back to this idea again, of it's an interrupt. Yeah. But it's an interrupt with permission. Mm-hmm. And I think it's easier for us to take it on board if we've given permission for absolutely, it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and the wor- there's just some pre-work that goes on in that too, right? Yeah. It's stopping to recognize what are the behaviors, the actions, the words, the symptoms, the that- tones, tones, even emotions or, or, or cycles of emotion that show up when I am in the yellow or into the red. And if we can identify that just with take some time, uh, that's something that I will do with, with clients, right? That coaching clients, because that's one of the things that I try to help set up with them. So that they know when they need to reach out to me for help. If this shows up, if you notice yourself saying this, if you notice you're going to do this, if this kind of set of emotions show up and you're thinking these kinds of thoughts, all of these, you've, you've made the connection that those own those, maybe not only, but accompany being in the yellow or in the red of too much and that's not an area maybe this is a good way to tie this all back 
when we're in the yellow, when we're in the red, we're not growing then. It's stuck. It's like the shoes are too small, you could say. Something's not right. Shoes are too small maybe isn't the best analogy. It, well, it's the penalties too high. So, yes. so then it creates another set of circumstances that have to be dealt with, right? right? On right. top of what you're already coping yeah. with. So you're not actually yeah. growing in that situation. So the idea of soldiering on, um, it, it's yeah. not going to equal growth as you are in it. It will equal growth once you remove yourself from it. And you have that, not just that little interim time, but a bigger shift of time, whatever will be able to allow you to come. Yeah. This is why it's, it's important. <laughs> this, I'm, I'm saying this mostly to myself as we're talking about this. Is, yes, well, it's, it, we're talking about growing and learning and growing, right? And yeah. isn't this a learning and growing conversation mm -hmm. for both of us? So it must be useful right now. And I noticed that we don't have any songs in here today. Well, you know what? And I actually, I do have one that we could play. And I think it might actually be a really good time to do so right now. Um, it's... Uh, it's called moment a moment of sun and i was listening it to this to this this afternoon as i was driving home and i thought you know what this fits right now because we're going to take a little interval and we're going to listen to this song and luca and i are going to check in to see what else do we need to cover today how do we want to wrap this up for you all but then we're going to just take a moment moment in the sun by clem snide When it's my moment in the sun Oh, how beautiful I'll be But in a normal sort of way Like I am you and you are me
I won't forget that I am blessed But every hero walks alone Thinking of more things to confess Welcome back to Essential Conversations with Rebecca and Luca. That was Moment in the Sun by Clem Snide. And in true uh, universe declaring its intentions way, as soon as I broke, or as Luca and I broke for that song, uh, all of the recording stuff just completely stopped. We lost Wi-Fi, we lost connection. And so that's where the conversation between Luca and I will wrap up for today. But I thought I'd pop back in. Before I do our wrap up today, I want to acknowledge that our work, our recording, our living space, everything is taking place on the unceded ancestral territories of the Coast Salish peoples, which includes the lands of the Musqueam, the Squamish, the Tsleil-Waututh, and the Coquitlam. As a settler, Luca and I, well, as both of us being settlers, we try to touch in on that every week, as well as this is the values of our parent station, CJSF. It's important for us to remember where we are, who we are, so that we can be actively engaged in the work of reconciliation, which is really part of our growing edge. What we do for acknowledgement changes over time as our understanding deepens, and this is the work that we were talking about today. 
So we wish you all the best as you explore your growing edges. We hope that some of the ideas that we shared with you today might uh, contribute to your understanding of yourself and how to support yourself as you go through the uncharted territory of growth. Until next time, I wonder what is around the corner. Essential Conversations is brought to you courtesy of Luca Halleck's Power Sorcerer. And Rebecca Mears, Certified Coach. Increase your awareness, expand your options, empower yourself. Luca can be reached at www.lucahalix.com. I light the fires that light a thousand more. Connect with Rebecca at catchingfire.ca. Yep, yep, yep. yep, yep. Oh, ah, 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 Happy, 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 happ